0: Morning. Good morning. Ladies. I don't know if anyone else noticed Math's little uh, slip of the tongue there where um, he was announcing the first video and instead of saying look at the screen he said look at the board. Did anyone else notice <laughs> that? He slipped into teacher <laughs> mode for a second there into the whiteboard. But uh, I love this morning how everything has just um, fallen into place and fitted in and I really just feel God's got a word for this morning from the song's to what Matt shared and what um, James brought in the prayer meeting. It's just all tied together, and I feel God really wants to speak to us. So um, I'm just going to quickly pray before I speak this morning, just that God's going to open our hearts. So God, I thank you for this word that you have for us this morning, I just pray that you would help, um, help me to speak um, what's from you and not out of my own mind. And I just pray for everybody listening that um, hearts will be open, Lord, and that you will really speak into our lives this morning. Amen. 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 Fab. So this morning um, is really, because uh, we're looking at consider, stop and consider, and this morning is consider what you think about. And I want us to s- stop and to think about what we think about. And uh, just to help illustrate um, the point, um, I'll just tell you the other day that um, I got home uh, from work. It had been quite a busy day, picked the kids up. So for those of you who don't know, I have a little one, two-year-old Benny, and then an older one, Jesse. And uh, so Benny can sometimes get in one of those moods where he just likes to explore and um, just find out what's around him, be a bit boisterous. So we got in, and it was one of those occasions on Thursday night. And uh, so we came in, and I'm um, just, just getting your coat off and shoes off and all that, and turn around, and um, Benny's standing on a table in the entrance. And I uh, just said, Mom, Benny's standing on a table. So I come and pick him off the table, and he f- there's like a, a box on the table with like gloves and hats in with a lid on, because I was trying to keep the entrance tied in. Yeah, so he threw that on the floor and got all this stuff everywhere. And so uh, Benny, like, move him, take his shoes off, put all the stuff back in a box. And then I hear, like, a rummaging in the kitchen, and he's in one of the kitchen cupboards just trying to forage for a snack. Now, he had had... He had been fed at nursery and I had a pudding and everything, but there he was foraging in the uh, cupboard for snacks. And I move him out of the way uh, of the cupboard and I had tea to make and, and everything. So I did what every good mother on that occasion does. Is I put the TV on and I sat him in front of the TV. Give him something to focus on because he's being a bit boisterous and he gets in that mode. But, do you know, I think sometimes our minds can be like a toddler. You're like, what are you talking about? We can, can't we? So sometimes, like in our minds, we don't have very much discipline or self-control to think about what we're thinking about. We just let our minds go everywhere and wander around. It's a little bit like what Math was saying at the beginning. We can like be in church um, but not really be there. Our minds are elsewhere. Or like on the the video notices, which fit in quite nicely as well this morning, somebody can be talking to you and your brain is just... Thinking about anything else apart from what they're saying, uh, and I'm sure it's not just me that that's happened to uh, before. So we need to be people who who stop and kind of think about what we think about. And that's the idea of this morning is actually becoming um, mature Christians is actually part of that is in our minds as well, is having the discipline to train our minds. So as Benny grows older, he won't always hopefully be um, throwing the cupboards open and chucking stuff everywhere. They, people, you know, toddlers normally grow out of that phase at some point. Um, I don't know if it's when they're 18 or what, but, um, but as they grow out of it, you know, so should we in our, in our minds as we become a Christian. The Bible says that God makes us new. And, um, and in that process, we have to sometimes learn how to discipline ourselves. And um, to, so our mind is not just wandering off everywhere into various thoughts, but actually we can learn how to focus and learn how to be disciplined in what we think about and think about whether it matches up uh, to the Word of God. So there's two passages I just want to read to you. The first one is, uh, is what today is based on in Philippians. Um, so it's Philippians 4. And starting at verse 8. And it's quite a challenging verse. It's a few verses. I'll just find it. So it says, Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Follow the example of all we have imparted to you and the God of peace will be with you in all things. So there's that thing of of focusing in on the right things and and thinking, pausing to think about what we're actually spending time thinking about. The second passage I want to read is in Romans, uh, Romans 12, and uh, starting at verse one. And uh, it says this, Beloved friends, what should our proper response to God's so, what should be our prof- proper response to God's marvellous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifice and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect, in his eyes, so we get this whole idea of actually, it's our job as Christians to begin to hone how we think and to to to, to have the the discipline uh, that God wants us to have in our minds. He wants us to have minds, as Matt alluded to quite a few times this morning, that are filled with peace. And, uh, and, and it says in the Bible about there's a new uh, creation that God brings us to be. And there's, there's like the fallen person and there's like the new person. And in the new person that God's called us to be, he wants our minds to be filled with faith and hope and love and goodness, joy, patience and self-control. And I could probably list a load of other things. But in the fallen mind, it says it's filled with lust and self-pity, condemnation, greed, self-righteousness anger, anxiety, bitterness. Again, the list could go on, but, but they're in stark contrast with each other. But when we become Christians, we don't magically, our, our brains don't automatically um, completely change. We have to work at it. And we have to think about what we're focusing on. So I've got three things for us this morning just to help us to stop and to think about that, to stop and to think what, uh, what are our minds focusing on? What are we thinking about? How can we please God more um, with what we're thinking about? So the first thing Um, is to check what we're focusing in. Check our focus. Who are we looking at? What are we looking at? And uh, to help illustrate the point, I know we've watched a few videos this morning. We do have a a short video to watch. And uh, this is called Selective Attention Video. Um, So the idea is, it will tell you on the video, but there's two teams, one's in uh, black, one's in white, and they're passing the ball to each other. And you have to watch the white color and count how many passes they do. Okay, so it's how you can focus in uh, on the white if you've seen a video before, don't give away the answer, okay, but uh, have we got that ready? okay, here we go. Did you Anybody get that? Fifteen. Anyone get it right? Yeah. yeah? yeah. Anybody see the gorilla? Yeah. Let's rewind it. There he is. Look. Just give him what he did. This does a little dance. Hey, okay, and then walks off. Hands up if you completely missed the gorilla. Just put your hands. That is quite a good. Okay, hands up if you saw the gorilla. But you've seen the video before, yeah. It is quite a well video. Hands up if you saw the gorilla, but you've never seen the video before. Only a few. That's interesting, isn't it? So what we focus on is so important. So I told you the purpose of that video was to see if you could focus on the white players and uh, see if you could count the passes. But actually, um, it's a bit of a trick video. It's to see if you could actually spot that there was a gorilla walking on. And giving you a little wave. And it's amazing how your mind can be trained to just zoom in on one thing, focusing on one thing, and completely miss something else. Um, so that can be a good thing or a bad thing. But what I wanted to say from that video is, this morning is that sometimes we can be like that in, in a bad way. So as Christians, God has something for us and we get distracted and uh, we start thinking about something else and our focus is elsewhere and God has something amazing for us, but sometimes we're busy and it can be anything that can distract us. Maybe in a church setting, and um, perhaps somebody's upset you about something and you know you, your mind's consumed by it or perhaps you're like, in a bit of a rut of self-pity and, and things like that or perhaps there's something, um, there's like a condemnation thing where you can't let go of something that you've done, but whatever it is that's distracting you, God has got something amazing for you that he wants to give you and uh, what can happen is we just look in the other way and God's like the gorilla there going hello, hello, I've got this for you, hiya and we completely miss it, we completely miss what God has got for us On a challenges this morning about what are we focusing on. Because that passage that we read said, focus on whatever is true, whatever is admirable, whatever is lovely. Um, God is all those things. He has those things for us. But if we're not focused in on him, then we're going to miss it. And there's a story that really illustrates this well. Um, in, uh, in Matthew, where Matthew, um, well, Matthew, Matthew didn't work on the water, where Peter walks on the water in the story of Matthew. And I'm sure you've all heard the story, but I want to read it out to you this morning. It says, Meanwhile, The disciples were in trouble in a faraway land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Then they climbed back in, sorry, when they climbed back in the boat, the wind immediately stopped. The disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. There's a couple of things that sort of draw out of this, um, this story. First of all, um, I suppose the obvious thing is that when Peter focused in on Jesus, he could walk on the water. That's pretty amazing. I would have loved to be able to do that. And he, he managed to step out of the boat and he looked at Jesus and his focus was on Jesus. And he managed to walk on the water. And then as soon as he started to look down at the waves and he got a bit freaked out, he started to sink again. And, uh, and that's like us, isn't it? When we start to look at situations and circumstances in our lives, when we feel like we're in a storm, we can look around and take our eyes, our focus off Jesus, and immediately we begin to sink. And uh, and it's so important that we, we put our focus on him yeah. and focus our minds on him. But there was something else I noticed about this story, which I haven't really noticed before. And that was actually there was two miracles took place that day. The first one was Peter walked on the water and Jesus, which is Pretty amazing. But the second one is Jesus also calmed the storm. I don't know if you noticed that. He got in the boat at the end and the storm was calmed. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was going to teach somebody how to walk on water, I would have done it the other way around. I would have calmed the sea first and then said, come on, Peter, now have a go. It's a bit like having your first driving lesson when it's absolutely chucking it down with rain in the dark, isn't it? Something like that. Well, why would you choose to do that? You would make it easy first, surely. Make sure the sea is nice and calm and then say, right, come on, Peter, it's all right, put your put you foot." But Jesus didn't. And there's always a reason Jesus does things the way he does, isn't it? It's not haphazard. He didn't just think about it afterwards and go, oh, yeah, I'll calm the storm now. So what was Jesus' point? I, I can't tell you what he was thinking, but the only conclusion I can come to Um, is that just Peter? Jesus was testing Peter's faith, and he was making a statement to Peter and to us that not only actually can he walk on the water, but even in the worst storm of his life, if he can focus in on Jesus, then he can still do it. He can walk above the waves like the song says. And uh, we were were singing a song about dancing in the deep, and, and it just seems like this theme that God is bringing out this morning, that actually if we can focus on him, you might feel like it's the worst storm of your life at the moment. You might feel like the waves are coming and the the wind is is coming and it's just a difficult time. But Peter, as he focused in on Jesus, he managed to walk in the storm before Jesus calmed it. He managed to walk on the waves in the storm. I I know he sank when he took his eyes off, but he did it. He started and he did it. And this morning, doesn't matter what the weather feels like in our lives. If we can focus in on him, then we can walk above the waves. And it may be that Jesus, I'm sure he will eventually calm the storm, but it's all in his time and we have to trust him that he can do that at the right time. So the first thing for us to look at is what are we focusing in on? Are we focusing in on him or are we letting other things distract us? And I don't know what it is that you maybe need to go away and think about. Are things distracting me, whether it's an attitude, whether it's um, things that you're thinking that aren't necessarily in line with God's word. Maybe it's, um, sometimes it's like just the issue of what you're taking into your mind. So it can be um, what TV you're watching, what music you're listening to, things like that. It's all important things to take into account. Apparently the, the, uh, the sort of statistics to what Christians watch and non-Christians watch. There is no difference. Yeah, I find that quite interesting. There is no difference between what Christians generally watch and what non-Christians watch. And um, a lot of the stuff we watch might be really good, and um, I'm into to loads of different programs and stuff. But there's been times where we've had to stop and think um, about what we've been watching. So, for example, as we started watching this uh, this um, program called Criminal Minds, it's like quite a good progress into psychology of different criminals, um, but we did that thing where you kind of binge watch it a little bit and I started to get like paranoid, someone stopped me to ask me the time, they had a van and I thought they were going to bundle me into the van and kidnap me <laughs> and I suddenly thought like this program is starting to affect the way that I'm thinking and the way that I'm living and we actually stopped watching it because not that it was a bad program but actually when you, when you compare it up to that verse, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, and you're taking it in all the time, you think, okay, is this good for my mind to be listening, to be taking this in all the time, to be focusing on that subject all the time? So it's a good thing to do sometimes, just to stop and take stock and go, okay, do I need to make any changes? Sometimes it's certain people, maybe certain people that you're with can draw your thoughts to a certain way. and I'm, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on, but maybe you just need to think about that. I'm not saying... Um, to cut off from spending time with certain people. But maybe if you know that some certain things that that person says, you need to be aware of that and to be guarded with that. So the first thing, make sure your focus is right and that you're focusing on Jesus. The second thing is that we need to be ruthless. We need to be ruthless. So um, I'm a bit of a ruthless cleaner. If I get my mind set on cleaning something out, I... Like, right, yep, get rid, get rid if I haven't used it. Some people like to hold on to things, don't they? This is by a show of hands. How many of you tend more to throwing things away, get rid, I'm ruthless, cleaner, yeah? How many of you like to hold on to stuff because you're sentimental and you don't want to let it go? Let's go about a 50-50 split. Uh, When we we had a good cleanup of the office not long ago... And um, all the people who um, work at church in the office, like it's me, Diane, and Joe, like the people who were there um, doing the tidying on that particular day, we're all a bit ruthless. So um, if you left anything in church and it's gone, we do apologize for that. But uh, but stuff gets left, stuff gets cluttered, and we're like, right, no, if it's going to be tidy, if it hasn't been used, it's going in the bin, or it's going to a charity shop, or recycling, or whatever it is. And you have to be like that sometimes. But with our minds, if we want our minds to be uncluttered and tidy, we have to be a bit ruthless. If we want our minds to reflect God and not the world, we have to be ruthless with our thoughts. And there's a verse that illustrates this really well in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 10. And it says this 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5. And it says, we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Yeah. This, is, this is a Passion Version. I haven't heard that. It's put quite like that before. Um, but uh, it says, we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it, be sh- that it bow in obedience yeah. to the anointed one. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So when we have a thought, we ask, does this match with the word of God? Is this thought obedient to Christ, and if it isn't, then we chuck it out basically, and uh, there's a little um, there's a little like saying that's quite well known it says before you're, before you speak, let your words pass through this gate. is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? You might have seen it up on like school walls and things like that it 's a little thing to think about before you speak, but um Jesus was one of them teachers whenever he said stuff, he said things like you heard it say but now I say, didn't he So you heard that this is the bar that people set, but I set this bar. And I think you can kind of apply this here. It's good to say the right things and it's good to think that, but how about we take it to the level of our thoughts? Can we even make sure that the thoughts we're thinking are honoring to God? Because your thoughts are that kind of private little space, aren't they, that no one else can see and no one else can judge you on because they can't hear your thoughts. So you're there, you've got this little world. So the only person you're really accountable to on is with God. And so can we take it to the next level where we don't just not say the wrong thing but also we think the right things because I don't know about you but if somebody's nice to my face but they're thinking something mean about me it kind of it's a bit insincere isn't it mm. so can we take it to the level where actually our thoughts are kind and our thoughts are true and our thoughts are right before God um, we went to this um, crystal maze experience I um, don't know if any Crystal Maze fans in, but um, I used to love it as a kid. We used to watch it all the time. So I went with my brothers and sisters, and we were all competitive, and my dad, because um, it was his Father's Day present. And uh, so I was the first one on the game. Um, so I got the first game, and it was this crossbow thing. Um, so I went into the room, and, like, the pressure, you could feel the pressure. They were looking through the window at me, and, you know, you can shout through and all that. It was it was a brilliant it was a, a brilliant day it was a great experience but there I was like under the pressure and I couldn't get the thing to work and I was firing and it wasn't missing and like and then they were going and they were just cheering encouragement they were going come on come on Liz and I was like uh, anyway towards the like it was probably half the time had gone and I managed to hit one of the targets and then after I'd hit one of the targets I just got it I got the knack and I I did them all just in a row like boom 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 and my brother who fancies himself as a bit of a comedian, he sa- shouted out, I'm sorry for what I was thinking, like that through <laughs> the door, uh, like thanks, thanks Josh, uh, and it's interesting isn't it, because sometimes we won't vocalise our thoughts, but but that's what we're thinking isn't it, it was obviously thinking, I think they were all thinking to be honest, oh no, she's lost it for us, what is she doing, um, but, um, but to kind of get that level uh, where we can have that discipline in our minds yeah. um, is so important, and there, there's a a story in Judges, it's not It's not very well known, actually, but it is mentioned in the West Wing. Oh, I've got a West Wing fan over there. Paul told me to give you a wink when I said that. Um, so it's, uh, there's a story, and it's in Judges 12, uh, about a guy called Japeth. I'm going to call him that because I don't really know how you pronounce the name. Um, but it says, it's, it's about... Um, A war that's happening, and uh, they're at war with these people. There is a a load of history behind it, which I haven't got time to go into this morning, but you can have a look at it. But basically, they capture them. And it says, Japheth captured the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And whenever a fugitive from Ephraim tried to go back across, the men of Gilad would challenge him. Are you a member of the tribe of Ephraim? They would ask. If the man said, no, I'm not, they would tell him to say, Shibboleth. If it was from Ephraim, he would say, Sibboleth. Because the people from Ephron cannot pronounce the word correctly, then they would take him and kill him at the shadow crossings of Jordan. And all forty-two thousand Ephronites were killed at that time. So basically, it was a bit like um, if you got if we were at your uh, war with Yorkshire. Yes, just imagine this for a second. And um, they were trying to escape, and you wanted to get rid of them all. So you say, um, so you get them to say a sentence and see if they say it in a Yorkshireite sentence. Or a, so do they say hello love, or do they say? Um, Hello, duck. <laughs> A-up. A-up, lass. Like, or something like that. So that's kind of the, the equivalent. Um, if Paul was here, I'm sure we could get him up to do an example of some good Yorkshire accents. Um, but that, that was their plan. They got him up, and they said, do you speak in this language? And they couldn't say it properly if they weren't from their tribe. So what they did is they killed them to stop them from escaping. And I was just thinking that's a really good kind of imagery in the Bible there of what we need to do with our thoughts. Where it says take your thoughts captive. It's real aggressive language, isn't it? It's real like war kind of language. And the Bible talks about like our our minds being like a battlefield. We're at war because the devil wants to put thoughts into our minds that aren't of God. He wants us to take us down wrong paths and lead us away from our focus of God. And and they weren't standing for it In, in Judges. They were like, right. We're going to kill anyone who can't say the right word. If they don't speak the right language, then we're going to get rid of them. And uh, if your thoughts come into your mind and they don't line up, they're not speaking the language of faith. They're not speaking the language of God. It's clear what we need to do. It says take them captive. Get rid of them. Get rid of it out your mind. Be ruthless with your thoughts. Because if we're not careful, those thoughts will take us down a bad path. They'll um, take us away from what the will of God is for our lives. And, uh, and so we need to get ruthless. We need to hold them up to that filter of God's word. And uh, and we need to not give them a chance. It says in the Bible that we don't fight against flesh and blood. But we need to be prepared to be ruthless with our thoughts. And then the final thing, number three, be rooted in the truth. Be rooted in the truth. So it says in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 17 to 25, I'm going to read it from... Uh, the voice this time. It says, Therefore, as a witness of the Lord, I insist on this, that you no longer walk in the outsider's ways with minds devoted to worthless pursuits. They are blind to true understanding. They are strangers and are aliens to the kind of life God has for them because they live in ignorance and immor- immorality and because their hearts are cold, hard stones. And now, since they're lost of all natural feelings, they have given themselves over to sensual, greedy, and reckless living. They stop at nothing to satisfy their impure appetites. But this is not the path of the anointed one which you have learned. If you have heard Jesus and been taught by him according to the truth that is in him, then you will know to take off your former way of life, your crumpled old self, that dark blot of soul corrupted by deceitful desire and lust, to take a fresh breath and let God renew your attitude and spirit. Then you are ready to put on your new self, modeled after the very likeness of God, truthful, righteous, and holy. So put away your lies and speak the truth to one another because we are all part of one another. Math already mentioned this morning the film Inside Out, and I uh, thought he was going to maybe steal what I was saying, but he didn't quite. But Inside Out's a great illustrative film if any of you ever watched this. One of my favourite Pixar films. It goes inside the mind of someone and lots of different voices saying things. And, uh, and in, in the film they have what they call train of thoughts. So the trains of thought goes into the mind from the, the personalities and all that. And, and they have a, a little friend that they go in with on this guide. And at one point in the film, and they knock a box over there's this box uh, or two boxes and one says thoughts uh, so facts and one says opinions and uh, the character goes, oh, no, I'm really sorry I've knocked over the box and they've all got muddled up. And uh, the guy goes, oh, don't worry, that happens all the time. And he just shoves them in both boxes because the facts and opinions always get us muddled up. And, uh, and I, just th- I thought of that when I was writing this because that can happen in our minds, can't it? Where what we think is fact and what we have of our opinion can get muddled up in our mind. And we can, we can, it can take us down a bit of a bad road sometimes. And um, Dave Gilpin does this um, thing called um, the mind map we've done it a few times with some of our young people and um, I'm going to nick one of his examples but he talks about the fact that you have um, intellectual thought and then an intuitive thought so our minds aren't just fact machines, are they? They're mixed with our emotions from our heart and different things can get all mixed in there. And he takes some scenarios and he says this is what happens when you have an intellectual thought and then intuitive thought is added and how that can kind of spiral into either something good or into something negative. Um, so the example, one of the examples he gives is, okay, so the fact is I'm turning 40 soon. Okay, so you imagine... You're turning 40 soon. Some of you are like, oh no, that's really old. And some of you who are older are going, oh yeah, I wish I was 40 again. Uh, but can you ima- imagine that you're turning 40? So that's the fact. It's a landmark age. It's an important age to turn. And um, perhaps a thought comes into that person's mind. And the thought is, what have you done with your life? It's one of them thoughts that's like got a negative connotation. What have I done? What have I done with my life? What have I done with my life? And then you choose of uh, what you're going to do with that thought. So the, the, there's a... F- intellectual thought, I'm turning 40, and then intuitive thought, what have I done with my life? And if we're not careful, you can kind of board that train of thought onto uh, the sort of self-pity train of what have I done? I'm a failure. I haven't done this. I haven't achieved this yet. Um, what, what about this thing that I was supposed to be doing? And what about this thing that went wrong then and then? And you can get on board this train. And before you know it, you've focused on the wrong things and you're convinced that you're just one big failure. On the other hand, you could stand there and hear these thoughts and choose not to get on that train and go, actually, no, what does God say about me? What's God, what's in line with God's word? What's God got for me? You know, God says to me, he's got a plan and a purpose for my life. God says to me, the best is yet to come. I've got some great stuff for you still. God says to me, as long as you're in line with my will, you don't have to worry about what you have and haven't done as long as you're obedient to me. And immediately we find ourselves, we're hopping on a different train and it's a train that takes us into hope and faith and fills our mind with the good stuff that, um, that God wants to give us. God's thoughts about you, God's truth in his word is higher than the facts of your life and higher than the intuitive thoughts you might have as well. It's like, uh, say you didn't get invited to a party. Everyone's invited to a party and you didn't get invited. And uh, the fact is you're not invited. That's the fact. What's your intuitive thought about that? Maybe your intuitive thought is, Maybe the party was full or whatever, and we kind of move on. Or maybe the thought is, oh, I'm not good enough. That person doesn't like me. Nobody likes me. I'm a failure. And, and, and can you see how it quickly spirals into something that can be negative when actually that's, that's not the fact. That's your intuitive thought. And we need to take those thoughts and go back to God and say, is this in line with your word? Is this about who you say I am? Yeah. Yeah. It can happen as well with thoughts that other people put into your mind. And it's not always an obvious thing to think about so um for example people have said some really well-meaning things to me before that i can either hop on and it could take me to a negative place or a good place so for example some people may say to me like oh you know i don't know how you do it as a you know you're a busy person you've got two young children you do all your youth work and you you're out a few nights a week and it's you know i that's there's quite a lot you're doing And and they're being being nice, they appreciate what I've done, but I can kind of jump on board that and think, yeah, yeah, I do, you know, there's a lot expected in me. People are asking me to do quite a lot of stuff here, and... I don't feel like I'm really appreciated, actually. Maybe, you know, and I can start to go down a bit of a grumbly path with it. And you know, start to get a bit grumpy. Everyone expects everything of me. I don't have the time for this. And uh, and kind of go on this train of thought that actually isn't very positive and doesn't actually help me to do what God has created me to do. Because what I maybe uh, need to hear is someone go, actually, you know, God can empower you for everything you've got to do because he's equipped you. You God has equipped you for what you need to do. And it's not the person who said it fault, because people will always say things and they can be well-meaning. But actually, it's up to me to take that thought and decide what I'm going to do with that thought. Yeah. I'm going to go, yeah, okay, I'm busy. But do you know what? God's empowered me to do everything that I need to do. You know, where somebody on conferences where God gives a vision, God provides the provision. And, uh, and, okay, am I going to jump on some thoughts like that and start to think about what God's word says about me? Or am I going to get on a train of thought that's actually not going to be very good for me? It's actually going to take away from what God wants me to do. And uh, this actually happened to Jesus. And let's see how he deals with it. Um, In Matthew 16, I've got it written here. It says, "Um, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly what was necessary for him to go Sorry, that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things in the hands of the elders, leading priests and teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. Then Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this would never happen to you. So Peter, is he's not being horrible to Jesus. He thinks he's being nice, doesn't he? He said, this would never happen to you. He's shocked. I don't, how could you die? That's, that's not going to happen to you. And Jesus' reaction is really strong to him. He turns around and says, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not God's. And we need to begin to recognize what is a human point of view, what is people's thoughts, what is our own thoughts that might not be right, and when they're not in line with God's. And we need to be ruthless. Jesus was ruthless there, wasn't he? He was a, almost a bit harsh to Peter there when he says, get behind me, Satan. He's not actually talking to Peter, though. He's talking to the spirit of what was being said. What right. Peter thought was a nice thing to say, Jesus was saying, that directly contradicts what I'm here for. That's not going to help me with my mission right now. Right. And I'm going to be ruthless. And I'm going to tell that thought where to go. Yeah. So he was ruthless in what he said. I just wonder, I'm nearly finished. I wonder if Richard could just come just for my final thought, really, to help us think this morning. And... Um, we need to think about who we are in line with the word of God. We need to th- reflect on, do our thoughts reflect what the Bible says and what, what the Bible says we are. And I want to read something to us um, it's by a, a book called, a guy called Samuel Rodriguez. And this tells us who we are. And we need to just be reminded sometimes to stand against some of the lies that the enemy might throw into our minds to throw us off course. It says the question must be asked, who are we? Are we, as a church, just another institution in society? Are we another religious faith narrative competing in the marketplace of ideas? Are we feel-good machinery for the spiritually impaired? Are we an anti- antiquated con- con- sorry, of a set of irrelevant values no longer applicable to the, word of, the world of Facebook, iPads, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube? How this generation responds will determine whether in this generation light will overcome darkness. Who are we? We must respond with, uh, respond with clarity, conviction, and courage to the following. We are the light of the world. We are a city on the hill. We are the people of the word. We are salt and light. We are prophetic and not pathetic. We are disciples, witnesses, and Christ followers. We are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We are children of the cross, fruit of the empty tomb, and a product of the upper room. We are the redeemed of the Lord. We are sheep of his pasture. We are forgiven, free, and favored. We are called and chosen. We are warriors and worshipers. We are world changers and history makers. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. The devil wants to chip away at what God's doing and we're in a place as a church where God's taken us to new things. He's expanding us. He's given us new vision. And um, there will be pushback against that. And we need to stand strong as a church that in the battlefields of our minds, we're not going to let the devil come in and take us down bad paths in our thoughts that aren't going to help us. But actually, we are going to be more than ever set on the vision that God has given us and remember the bigger f- picture. So we need to focus in on him. We need to focus in on Jesus. Like Peter, we need to focus on Jesus when he was walking on the water. Like the army in the story, we need to be ruthless and kill any wrong thoughts. And like Jesus, we need to stamp out the devil's lies. I want to pray for us this morning. I just want everyone to close their eyes. And maybe some of us this morning, just in our hearts, we need to repent of some of the ways, some of the things, some of the thoughts. uh, we've allowed our minds to make and to repent means to say sorry and to make a U-turn and to decide to be different. And I'm going to pray for us this morning that God will help us to uh, start new trains of thought that are going to strengthen the new mind that he has for us. God, I thank you that you call us a new creation and that you want to renew our minds this morning so that we are in line with your word, God, that we can please you, that we can live a life, God, that is in line with your will. And I just pray this morning that, God, we want to say sorry for the times where we haven't thought the right things and we've allowed things into our mind that isn't of you. And I pray you would just shine your light this morning on the truth. And I pray that lies would be revealed and that we would be able to be ruthless and to believe the truth about who we are because you have so much good stuff planned for us, God, and we don't want to miss out on it. So, Father, I pray that we would focus in on you and what you have for us this morning. Amen.